everyone to polk and kush it is thursday march 9th 2023 and we've got sports <laughs> march the 9th be with you march the 9th be with you indeed march 9th my mom's birthday Happy Give birthday, it up. Mom. Give it up. As Ms. everybody knows. Miss Kush. Yeah. Debbie? So. Seems like a Debbie. No, she's not a Debbie. Gail? Nope. Is that close? Nope. Give me a letter. <laughs> C. Catherine? I mean, close because of the C. <laughs> and the second letter is right, too. All right. This is riveting yeah, up it's top. Good. It's good. It's good. I'm not going to tell anybody. You, the email, polkandkush at gmail.com if you want to know my mom's name. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to break into your email, (laughs) you can Venmo us Cash App five dollars to get my mom's name. Uh, (laughs) I'm gonna break into your hotmail. Oh, this sucks. (laughs) Uh, There is a lot to talk about this week. Uh, The Saints signed Derek Carr. The Pelicans are in uh, incredible series of uh, a tornado of activity right now Mm -hmm. uh, between injuries and games and standings and everything else. But before we get into all of that, uh, Mr. Polk, you had yourself a very large weekend out on the West Coast. How did everything go? I went out to Los Angeles for a friend's 40th birthday party. That's why we didn't do the episode last week. I was preparing for the magic of the Magic Castle. Ooh. Some people might know the Magic Castle. Neil Patrick Harris is like a big, I don't know, magic guy or okay. something, and he's kind of the face of it. It's been around for 60 years. It is a magic club in Hollywood that uh, is rather exclusive. You have to be invited by a magician or a member, and to become a member, you have to be invited by a magician. Uh, is that right out of Arrested Development? Is I, that where they got the idea from? Uh, it has to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These guys, they're not as clownish. Sure. Um, but it <laughs> was... just magicians. It was... They're magicians. <laughs> and some mentalist, which I just thought was like a show yeah. on CBS that my mom watches. <laughs> it's apparently also people that read your mind. Yeah, I... I've seen them do some sort of amazing things, mentalists. I, um, the mentalist, uh, had a shoebox out front, and you wrote a fun fact about yourself, put it in there, and then during the show, he'd be like, I'm sensing someone uh, was homeschooled and has a podcast about the Pelicans. And I'm like, oh my God, it's me. I'm sure he just like looks at the cards before... <laughs> There's like one of those tubes from the bank drive-thru that just sends the cards mm-hmm. directly to his hand before the show. <laughs> he was cool. I was involved in a little magic. Oh, yes? I was, and I actually have the brochure here so I can get all of the gory details correct. This guy's name is Total Zabrecki, Rob Zabrecki, Ooh. and he is... Uh, 
he was in the Pel- the Peller Theater. I don't know what any of that means. But he brought me on stage. <laughs> and he brought another woman on stage. And we were about 12 feet apart on either side of the stage. And he had us close our eyes. And he said, I want you to notice if anything touches you. Try and remember what the touch was, where it was, and how many times it touched you. And then we closed our eyes, and I felt a feather, mm-hmm. kind of felt like a teardrop-shaped feather, like a peacock feather, brush across my nose, left to right, three times. So then he goes, all right, raise your hand if anything touched you. And I raise my hand. Uh-huh. Place goes wild. Is like... And uh, how many times did it touch you? You know, hold up your fingers. I hold up three fingers. Place goes fucking nuts. He tells me to open my eyes, and then I go sit back down. Okay. I have no idea. This is the first <laughs> trick of the show. Nobody ever, nobody when you sat down told you what happened? Well, the show was going on, and they're like very strict about nuts. Oh, okay. So like, I was just sitting there like, well, I, d- I have no idea what happened. I guess it didn't touch me on the nose. He pulled my penis out and zapped it with magic powers. I don't know. So I'm sitting there for an hour. I kind of forget it happens. We leave. Everyone I'm with goes nuts. They're like, no one was anywhere near you. Oh, that's crazy. They they asked me, they were like, what touched you? I was like, well, it felt like a peacock feather. And they said, he touched her with a peacock feather three times left to right across the nose. That's pretty crazy. No one was near me. It wasn't air. Nothing flew on me. I don't think there was anyone else that could have done it and not be seen with That's an invisible was, feather. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe they had somebody else like in a camouflage type of you know whatever that like blended in like in you know wearing all black well this is not you know this is not like the singer this is the audience is four feet from us yeah yeah it's got to be some sort of like they're all watching the other person right I have no... I, they it, call attention to the other person? I don't know. That's crazy. It didn't feel like anything super crazy. It just felt like a feather brushing across my nose three times. And that is exactly what he did to the woman standing 12 feet away. 12 feet away. So it's not like it could have been the... Dude, that is wild. Yeah. What else can you do with that stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that you were the one who was the person participating in it, because then you can really be like, yeah, it's not bullshit, you know? Yeah. Unless everybody else is in on it, <laughs> and they're tricking you. That would it? be... The trick is... I looked up the trick. I did not look up how it works, because okay. I, I didn't want to know. Sure. But I found out it's called The Invisible Touch. That's a great song, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. This is why we're the number one <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we're the only podcast. Yes. And yeah, and then we uh, went to uh, Super Mario World at Universal Studios. Did you see Luigi, Wario? I saw Luigi. I got my picture with Luigi and Mario. That's exciting. It's just great to push children out of the way and do something. <laughs> just a bunch of 40-year-old men. <laughs> There's nothing drives me crazier when I take my kids places than full-on adults who are like, you know, hanging out with Woody and yeah, Buzz. I'm I was like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I was dressed up as Mega Man. 
like pushing my way to the front of the line. There were almost no children no, at Nintendo World. It's so expensive. Nobody can take their kids. It was $144 oh. for the day single park. Jesus. And then we got there and they're like, uh, you have to make reservations for this. And we were like, well, how do we do that? And they're like, well, you have to do it on the app. But the app, you can only make the reservation if you're in the park. So there's no way to get the reservation. <laughs> We talked the lady into getting us a reservation in 15 minutes if we all bought the $40 power band upgrades. Oh, my God. So we spent like $300 to get into this thing. It looks really cool. There's just not really anything to do. There's Mario Kart ride, and then uh, the restaurant was jammed. You couldn't eat at the restaurant because they had too many people eating there. Sure. They were completely booked for the entire day at the cafe that serves Lego waffles. <laughs> Or, uh, what? Yeah, the blocks, Tetris. Yeah, the yeah. Tetris blocks. People are in this thing like it's a five-star oh, restaurant God. to get a mushroom burger, it's and they're really smart. There are no snack stands in there, oh, so after you've been there for an hour, you can't get in the restaurant. You're starving. You leave. Once you leave Mario Land, you can't come back unless you get another reservation. That's crazy. That it's so. That's very different from Disney. They said there were 30,000 people in the park that day. They weren't all at Mario Land, but everybody was at Mario Land at one point. <laughs> Did you ride anything else? I rode Mario Kart. I rode uh, the Simpsons ride, which I've rode, uh, ridden many times. That was about it. What a time. It's, it's go if you have kids. If you're uh, yeah. a 40-year-old man that... <laughs> Is trying to take a picture with Pikachu. Uh, save it for a Tuesday. It was fun. It, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it was fun. I'm glad I did it. But yes. I'm not going to think about the money I spent, and I'll never do it again. Yeah, I uh, that that makes a lot of sense. No, I, I haven't at this point. The idea of going to anything like that without my kids is like so far beyond my comprehension. Yeah, I feel like the cops will stop me the next time I try and go to one of these things. <laughs> like, no kids, huh? All right. Dude, it's wild to walk around those places. They're like 80% adults now. It's Yeah, Mario was sincerely all adults. They were all dressed like Mario oh, or God. the princess. It's an, I, That's a whole culture of the world I don't understand. Not the Mario necessarily, but it's like, here's the thing I watch on television. Now I'm going to go it. It's like this isn't like uh you know I don't, there, there's no competitive aspect to it. There's no it's just like I oh, there's just, a competitive yeah. aspect there. People are like pushing each other out of the way to get the t shirts. <laughs> and the power up bands you could like like punch the blocks and it would make a coin sound and that was like a game that people were doing. Oh my god. Where it's like up on a scoreboard. Oh, we really got to get our shit together as a, a species. I mean, this is what people do that you're a big fan <laughs> of something. You're like, I'm going to go be that thing so I don't shoot myself at Staples. <laughs> I better dress up as Harry Potter so I don't drown my family. That's the thing is I understand that being a mega sports fan and I was screaming at the television during the UNO basketball games. Okay. I'm aware that it's just as psycho loser behavior as anything that you've just talked about. But for some reason I've compartmentalized that into being something totally different and okay. You can gamble on what you're doing <laughs> and you don't have to wear a foam jumpsuit. 
I think those are the biggest. I just feel like the fact that it's like supporting something that's like really happening in real time yeah. is more like watching the movie than trying to just like vicariously soak yourself into the care. Like it's the a people real who thing. walk around Star Wars land or whatever. I was happened to be there on whatever it is. What is it? May 4th. Is that the yeah, big yeah. Star Wars day? Yeah. What's well, a real thing? And you're doing a real thing. And yeah. you're helping out. Whenever you tell those Southland refs where to go, <laughs> you are changing the game to some degree. I'm pretty convinced that that game, if I was sitting courtside at that last uh, semifinal game, things would have gone differently. If you were in Natchitoches? If I, I think it was Lake Charles. If oh. I was there, I texted Sless. I was like, I should have been there. They called a technical <laughs> foul that was outrageous and you i would have i would have been, been on the floor up their ass um tough tough loss to them it was very fun to watch them turn their season around uh we obviously we are privateers first podcast yep here uh the home of the mark schlesinger show uh that's that's right here at polk and kush so farewell to the privateers this season we'll be back uh in october with a whole bunch of uno stuff of course, we'll have Polk and Kush night again. Uh, I will miss this team, and I will miss them. But there are a ton of sports that are going on right now in the city. Mostly, should we start with the Pelicans this week? Yeah, I think we should. Considering they won tonight a humongous victory for the Pelicans. I would have started with Derek Carr, but I do think the fact this team came home, made a statement, and got themselves a big win over the Dallas Mavericks uh, is worthy of uh, of discussion, and that was a enormous victory for the New Orleans tonight. Yeah, the Pelicans looked in in control for uh, right out of the gate for the most part, yeah. which is something we haven't seen the Pelicans do recently. I would consider Dallas to be a good team. This is the first of a four game homestand, I believe. Yeah, I know Oklahoma City, Portland, and then I think there's another one at the end. Uh, with the win tonight, the Pelicans are now in tenth place in the West. Woo! That is that is in the play in, baby. <laughs> and uh, the teams that they are neck and neck with the Jazz, the Blazers, the Thunder, the Lakers. Um, right there the Blazers too, yeah. lost tonight. Uh, okay. You know, it's better than it could be. It, it was a win. It was badly needed after they looked like uh, they were a disaster in Sacramento. I mean, that was just a complete train wreck uh, to lose that game in that fashion of just getting run off the court by a good Kings team, but not a great Kings mm-hmm. team. And, uh, and to go get home, actually move the ball well offensively, and then have C.J. McCollum, who has looked terrible mostly for the last month uh he had a huge fourth quarter to cap off a a nice night uh carried them to the finish line and that's the exact type of performance that you needed in front of your home crowd and i think that's gonna shake some cobwebs loose because there was a lot of negativity about this team not just the losing um entering this game you also had the news that zion williamson was not going to be evaluated for his hamstring for another two weeks so they're saying he's progressing but it's going to be two more weeks before he's looked at. Uh, and then in the second quarter, uh, Brandon Ingram goes out of the game. We don't know how severe that is. But if I know anything about Brandon Ingram and I know anything about the Pelicans injury luck, uh, this will take longer than we think. These guys can go ahead and book their tickets to Cancun. <laughs> 
Maybe not all of them, but Brandon and Zion definitely can. And Jose Alvarado. Yeah, uh, very unfortunate in all those regards, and we'll get to that. Uh, But I do think this team deserves credit for showing up and winning a game that they absolutely had to have. Luka Doncic also got hurt, which clearly helped them, but they did do a nice job containing Kyrie Irving, particularly in the first half. They showed up defensively. Jackson Hayes played well. Trey Murphy played well. They did enough uh, to win a game. And I think that more than anything, they just needed to win a damn game. And that it feels like such a huge burden off their shoulders to start kind of moving in the right direction and think at least that home court is going to provide them the salve that they really need. This was the most, most, most must-win game out of all of the dozens of must-win games this season uh i mean you were running around there and it looked like the last of us nobody was at the nobody was at this game tonight (laughs) they actually had a decent crowd tonight just not where i was sitting (laughs) okay you were lurking in the shadows this is exactly what people needed to get uh some juice in the tank get Mm -hmm. back on board and hopefully see some sort of recreation of the end of last season. Yeah. It is not the expectations that we had when this team was number one. It is not going to be the same team without Zion and probably without Brandon Ingram. At this point, I think it's a victory to get 10th. Yeah, I think any any playoff appearance now would feel like a win. And any modicum of... Uh, Success, I think, is just something that this franchise needs to hang on to. It, it, everything was so perfect for so long with this team. You know, the end of last season through the summer, the vibes were so high. Then the season starts and everything goes perfectly uh, for the most part. And it not only derailed, it derailed, then went off the mountain into the ocean, underneath the water, and into the center of the Earth's core. Uh, it just has been terrible. And so any type of way to stop that momentum from happening is very important. And it does feel like they have enough guys to beat bad teams. Uh, I don't know if they have enough to really make any noise in the postseason necessarily, but that might not be. I don't even know if that's what you can really judge this on anymore. It, It just feels like you need something to go well. It doesn't all have to go well. Yeah, I mean, talent-wise, I think the Kings are a good example. The Pelicans, player for player, are way more talented than the Kings. Yeah. And they got ran off the floor. Yeah. Um, How they stack up at home, I think, is going to have a lot to do with the crowd and just kind of with the attitude towards this team in general. I mean, people have been more negative towards this Pelicans team than I've ever seen before in the last couple weeks. And I like to think we helped with that. (laughs) That's what we do. We pour gasoline on the fire. But, you know, players are hearing uh, our criticisms saying that C.J. McCollum is the most unclutch motherfucker in the history of the world. (laughs) He heard that. And then tonight he showed up and he showed out and the Pels got the victory. Yeah. Did they lose their best player in the process? (laughs) They sure did. 
but they've got three more games at home. And you know what? We're a we're a last couple games of the season kind of team. I think. I think I believe uh, Zion is now averaging twenty eight games a season. I would like to shift those to the last twenty eight games of the season. <laughs> if you better. could work on yeah. that, they should just like unwrap him like a Christmas present. You know, like let him sit out the first four months of the season and then have him play. That seems like it would be a better strategy. We don't need him really in November and December. You could lose those games. People would be so fired up right now. If Zion was like playing his 25th game of the season. Wow. And he was like going into that. I think that's a new strategy. We should just do that. Let's rest him the first 50 something games. Yeah. Bring him out. And then bring him out. You know, like a, like a, the great baseball closer. Yeah. Yeah. He's Eric Gagne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to be a new thing. The NBA is all about, you know, resting players and all that stuff. Now we're just going to have a whole season of rest. <laughs> but again, the Pelicans are the only team that has ever been punished for allowing a star player to sit out. That's true. So it doesn't bode well for us. No, it is. Uh, it's very the Zion thing is depressing and it's not unexpected I, I think we've said it here many times now which is like until he is standing on the court in his uniform holding a basketball <laughs> while I'm inside the arena I do not believe he's going to play and today's news I think Brian Windhorst came out and basically said he's not close Pelicans responded essentially to that a couple hours later by saying he's healing but that it'd be two more weeks there's only like three and a half weeks left in the season so by the time you get to two weeks, you play a couple little three on three, a little, you know, probably have to go through one full practice. That's basically the whole damn thing. Yeah. The Pelicans are starting to sound more and more like my ex-wife. I'm not close. <laughs> it's just the Pelicans are the, they're the kind of team that bends over to tie their shoes and their pants rip. And then when they turn around to look at their ripped pants, they twist their ACL. <laughs> Brandon Ingram going out in the second quarter, like they're up 15 or whatever, that everything looks good. And there goes Brandon Ingram just like hobbling around the floor. He looks at the bench and ass out of the game and goes straight to the locker room. You're like, how? How is this possible? And I don't think he's ever come back from one of these and played the next game. So we'll see if he's there in a couple days. Uh, I have my doubts. Uh, but we'll leave that to Brandon Ingram to see if he can uh, prove that. It is just not a great situation, and if they don't have him, they are super limited offensively. Uh, Dallas chipped their way back. I think they were down 16 in the fourth quarter. It got within three, yeah. I want to say, uh, with like four minutes left until C.J. McCollum's heroics. Don't think you can expect that every night. Uh, so they need Brandon Ingram, and if, if this turns out to be longer than we think, and if look, call it what it is, man. Every single time he's taken longer to come back than he should have. To have faith that this time is going to be different is stupid. It might happen, but I don't think anybody should be walking around tonight thinking that. Oh yeah, well he'll definitely be back next game because every single time this has happened, he's taken way longer. And no greater example of that than earlier this season when he bruised his toe and missed twenty nine games for an injury that most of us thought he was going to miss two. Uh, so we'll see. I don't want to rule him out. I don't want to call him a pussy. I think that's a mean thing to do and not really on something that we should be doing anyway. But if the history is the history and until we know differently, I think 
it's appropriate to act like Zion and Ingram are not going to play much, and that's where we're at. There is exactly one player in Pelicans history, maybe ever, uh, that has had a shorter injury timeline than uh, was estimated, and that's Jose Alvarado. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. the only one. <laughs> yes. Yes. He is currently out for the rest of the season. I think we see him back before we see Zion back. Yeah, it does feel that way. Uh, th- there is just a, uh, a a deep depression that has kind of fallen over this group, and it does it begs the question of what you do this offseason. We're not to that point yet, but if this continues to happen, who who do you blame at this point? Like, you can't just continue to be the most hurt team in the NBA every single year and change nothing. Like, it's either the training staff, it's the players, it's the coaches, it's the front office. I don't know what the hell's going on. But there's more than one culprit for this season. The coaching has not been good. The roster is not nearly as good as we thought it was when Zion was rolling. And the medical staff, I think, very clearly has some uh, some major problems to look into. And it's great to get a win tonight. But the overall direction of this team just feels so off that it's this weird position to be in talking about it right now. The glow of a win and the hope of what could come coming forward, but also facing the reality of, man, this team looks like they could be in a really bad spot. Well, I think this could be a good time for the Pelicans to evaluate everything and figure out what they need to change. Because when everything was going great and the Pelicans were playing perfectly and Zion was MVP level, no one's talking about the training staff then. Mm -hmm. If they stayed, uh, you know, if they'd stayed at that level of play throughout the season, nobody would have uh, noticed these little quirks around the team. It would have, it would have been fine to keep on winning. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise and the Pelicans can honestly address what is wrong with this team without the luster of having a fun number one team for the first time in forever. Yeah. They need to take an honest uh, evaluation of the team. They, they just need to be honest with the fans. Yeah. there. I mean, that's that, that part is fair. I mean, and, and, I want to hit him as much as anybody for that because they are not transparent. I don't think they know. Yeah. Truly. I think they'd like to know what's going on with Zion and indefinitely when the Ingram injury happened. I don't think they have much to do with it. I really think they would like to be more transparent. It's not a huge priority, I don't feel, but there's nothing to really say. Like That's the- a perspective that's changed over the last season or two, I would say. Because yeah. I was very skeptical. You you may have been as well about what this team knew and was putting out there. Yeah. It seems like that has changed within the last season or so, yeah. given the magnitude of these injuries and just how nagging they are. Yeah, and I, and I definitely think last year's injury with Zion changed the perspective. People were really pissed with the way that unfolded. For good reason. That was they announced the injury on media day. They're like, eh, it's not a big deal. And then he doesn't play a single game the entire season, which kind of unfolded in separate parts. He mm-hmm. leaves for part of the season. All of it was very cryptic, very weird, and they were not up front. And they're not being all that up front right now because they're not really telling you what's going on. But I do feel like they don't know. Like th- there's just when you have a hamstring injury, what are they supposed to do? You say he's getting a little bit better if he actually practices. I guess they'll say that he's practicing, but he's not doing anything. And now we got Ingram, and I'm certain it's going to be like, what's the pain threshold for Ingram to play through? 
assuming he didn't break his leg or he didn't sprain his ankle, it's going to be a pain threshold thing. And we know how that goes. And it's like, I don't know what the team can necessarily do about that, but it should serve a, a huge slice of reality that like you cannot build a team in the NBA around two guys who don't play. That is the problem. And unfortunately, they're both very good players. They're both fun to watch at their own times. But if you cannot stay on the court, you can't be the, the guys. And I think they both have a lot of trade value. So you could probably get something and do something. But it is depressing to think about the foundation of this team, which seemed so solid not that long ago, now feels very fragile. Surely you are not suggesting trading one of these two players I mean, I would within trade. a recent time frame, yeah. are you? <laughs> I would trade Brandon Ingram tomorrow if I could. Kevin uh, Durant seems to have just gotten back to playing. <laughs> I don't know if there was any scenario where those two could have been involved in a trade. I don't think Brandon Ingram is bad. I just you, you, you need to go get a guy who has a history of playing seventy games. You know, yeah, you need to get, get a guy with uh, the ability to withstand uh, bruise. Yeah. <laughs> To some level. <laughs> I know. And it's so hard to pick on guys for injuries because we don't know what they're really yeah, going through. Brandon and they don't Ingram really tell you, a, you know? He's a tough motherfucker. He's a professional athlete. Maybe. He's a, he's a basketball player. Yeah. A again, there's just not much you can say about it other than it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. And uh, and that's where we're at. And But they got the win tonight. They got a win tonight. They got a chance to, have, to salvage their season. There's, the opportunity is right in front of them. Can they take advantage of it? We'll hopefully see Brandon Ingram for the first time as a Pelican, you know, not take one of these injuries, take a long time, and shove it right in our face and say, hey, assholes, shut up. I think that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to manifest it. Yeah. <laughs> little reverse psychology. Exactly. That is very important. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. we got a whole bunch of Saints talk. A big week for them. Stick around right here. Polk and Kush. Polk and Kush is brought to you by Crescent Canna, our favorite New Orleans cannabis company. They just released a new THC seltzer that's legal, lab tested, and registered with the Louisiana Department of Health. Because it contains hemp-derived cannabinoids and abides by federal THC regulations, it's available for adults from coast to coast. Made with 6 milligrams of Delta-9 THC, 3 milligrams of CBD, and a splash of caffeine, Crescent 9 THC Seltzer provides an uplifting euphoric high, perfect for socializing. It has fast-acting effects you'll feel within 15 to 30 minutes. You can sip and savor it with full control of your psychoactive experience. Crescent 9 THC Seltzer is a great alcohol alternative, don't we know it? With all the wellness benefits of cannabis, it helps you feel better, not worse, so you can skip the next day hangover and wake up feeling refreshed. And believe me, when you have three children in your house under six years old, waking up not feeling like a trash can is a tremendous <laughs> way to go through a weekend. You can order Crescent 9 THC Seltzer from numerous bars throughout the New Orleans area, including Tipitina's, MRB, Cajun's Pub, 12 Mile Limit, The Broad Theater, and Bamboola's. I like all those places, and I like the Canon 9 Seltzer. 
I didn't know it had a splash of caffeine in it. I think that's what really sent me over the edge last time. Yes, that was <laughs> you. You were. I mean, it's a it's a perfect mix, right? To add a little caffeine into your buzz. That's like uh, exactly how you want to do it. So you're not slinking on the couch, that kind of thing. I took a can out on Fat Tuesday. I walked around with it, and it was the perfect. It's just so good with the beautiful weather that we've been having. It's the perfect hot tub accessory, and it's just nice when you're not drinking to have a can that's like one of the cool cans, and you walk around, and nobody's like, nerd. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm actually the coolest one here. Yes. Look at my sunglasses. Yeah, look at this rainbow clown wig I'm wearing. <laughs> It is a uh, a, just a spectacular idea, a spectacular execution. Crescent Canna has come through uh, for everyone. I mean, could you have ever dreamed this up in your in your wildest imagination? I would dream it up, and then I would wake up to a cruel world of having to smoke dirt weed and drink an (laughs) RC cola. And it was not the same experience whatsoever. I had to meet a guy named Screwdriver to get this stuff. And you can go into any of these bars and see a beautiful bartender or handsome and just ask for one. Yes. Crescent Cres- 9 can also be ordered directly from Crescent Canna at crescentcanna.com slash kush, K-U-S-H. You must be 21 or older to purchase or consume THC products. Consult with your doctor before using any cannabis product if you have a medical condition or are taking medication. I consulted with my doctor, Dr. Kickflip, and he said it was radical. So <laughs> that is a sponsor. Thanks to Crescent Canna. Uh, I will have to have a lot of those uh, Delta 9 seltzers while I'm sitting in the Superdome this year because I'm going to need to calm myself down. I got very worked up during the week as the Saints did exactly what I asked them specifically not to do. You asked them nicely not to do it. I said it many times here. I said it many times on Twitter and Mickey Loomis just completely ignored me and they gave Derek Carr $37 million a year to come be the quarterback of the Saints. I think what you should have done is shown up at Mickey Loomis's house (laughs) late at night. With a dozen eggs. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it, it it was the deal we kind of saw coming. It looked for a minute like it was going to be off. And uh, then Derek Carr does agree in free agency. I guess he left a little money on the table by not uh, having it be a trade. Uh, four years, one hundred and. 10 million 120 million 110 guaranteed 150 possible okay that is a lot of money for a quarterback who abjectly sucked last year uh he has had a very good career i think he is talented uh he was very bad last season and it, it is just the ultimate example that to me that the saints are kind of okay with being a little bit above average. If the Saints' goal is to make the playoffs, it's not to put together the best team in the NFL. I mean, let's be honest. I would say most Saints fans, most casual guys with a Saints t-shirt from Walmart are thrilled to hear this. Yeah. They've heard of Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. They know that he is supposed to be good. They don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of it. What they do like is hearing that the Saints drafted an all-pro quarterback 
who is not Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. Yeah. What does this do for the Saints in the long term? They might win a division that they could have won last season. Yeah. It was a very bad division. And that was still, with Tom Brady in it. This is a worse division now. The Saints could win it. I don't know by how much more with Derek Carr. Yeah. This is a lot of money. This is a team with no money. The Saints have no money. No money. And they got like the Jets got outbid by a team with no money for Derek Carr. Because all you have to do is just keep kicking the can. So just like you just pay tomorrow's credit card bill with another credit card. Mm -hmm. We just keep getting new credit cards with the assumption that eventually we'll all die. (laughs) So as long as we don't all die, there will always be another year. So it doesn't matter that the bill, quote, comes due because it will never come due because it's not like there's a line of credit that they're running on. You can just continue to mortgage the equity out of the salary cap and move it forward. And so this is what the Saints have decided to do. They've been doing it for years. Every year, everybody says they have no money. And every year, they find a way to sign for agents and find uh, money for to keep some guys. Now, they've let good players walk uh, on you know contracts that drove me crazy personally. But they are able to come up to it for Derek Carr. Philosophically, uh, so I understand that part. And the idea that like they were going to be able to just like wipe the sins of the salary cap clean in one season was probably not possible, but I was all for that. It was like, you've done this thing where you keep mortgaging the future. Let's just take a year to bite the bullet, trade all the good players, go be horrible for a season, like horrifically bad, and then go draft in the top three, get your quarterback of the future and rebuild the thing from the ground up. I would be okay with that because it would feel like they have the foresight that they think they can build a champion. This feels like a team that wants to win the NFC South. That is the that feels like the goal. It feels like they think the NFC is pretty mediocre for the most part and that they can build a team capable of sort of eking their way through it. Well, I think the argument there is that for a lot of Saints fans, it is incredible to win the NFC South. It is incredible to go to the playoffs. Why? Because We've done it a lot. Because it's very hard to win a Super Bowl. It is very hard to win a Super Bowl. Winning the Super Bowl is 2,000 times better than winning the NFC South. Who gives a crap about winning a division of four teams? Well, maybe it's measuring a level of expectation. And you know that... Comparatively, I live in New Orleans because I know that the living is easy. The streets aren't going to be fixed. I can't go to my car. Everything's on fire. There's no traffic lights. But, you know, it's what I know. And you know what I know with the Saints is that winning is more fun than losing. And I just want the team to win. They're not going to win every game. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. But can they win more games than the Falcons or the Panthers? That's enough for a lot of people. Yeah, and that and that to me is a crazy attitude. It yeah. really is. I think that's like the dumbest. I think it's like the least fun way to enjoy a team. And again, I would understand it if it was 1999 and the Saints had never done anything and there's like this opportunity to finally like, oh, we can build a team for right now to get in the playoffs. Like, 
What is the point of this? Does anyone think the Saints are going to be able to match up with the top of the league? Is there any hope of that? Because Derek Carr is your quarterback now instead of Andy Dalton. How big is the gap? Andy Dalton was the 25th best quarterback. Derek Carr is the 15th best quarterback. What, what are you doing here? Like Drew Brees didn't walk through that door. I understand it. Wouldn't you want to go get the next Drew Brees more so than you want to get some bridge quarterback for an old team to go win hopefully nine games in a shitty division and you host a playoff game as a 10-point underdog? Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, what is the, do, do you want to be the, the Washington football team of two years ago that hosted a playoff game? Who cares? Do you want to go be uh, the Texans have won? You know, the Jaguars had a playoff game at home this year. It's like, who cares? Like, that doesn't mean anything. None of those, nobody thought any of those teams were close to making the Super Bowl. What is the difference? Half the league makes the playoffs. Who gives a shit? Well, maybe the Saints are looking at it uh, as this is the foundation that they're building off of. There are some good players in place. And now if there's a decent young-ish quarterback in there they can start to branch out and grow towards not just an nfc south team but a super bowl team four years is not an incredibly long time to grow especially with the aging defensive roster and an absolutely terrible uh coaching situation it's an old team with a bad coach (laughs) why on earth would you look at that and be like you know what we need to go do get a slightly above average quarterback for a bunch of money Uh, to me that that is the the absolute worst direction you could go in and look they might win 10 games next year and i think people will be overall excited when they get into the playoffs it just feels like such a lack of faith in themselves a lack of imagination and a lack of patience to understand how to build a team that can be great this is dennis allen sucks everyone knows this why would you go all in to get him the quarterback to like be good enough to get to another season. It's crazy. I don't know if it's fair to judge this decision based on if people will be happy or not with a 10 win season. I would be happy with a 10 win season. Is it guaranteed gold of uh, in opposition to go- losing every single game and then drafting Caleb Williams and winning the Super Bowl in eight years? Maybe. I don't know, but I won't be complaining if the Saints win 10 games next season. I'm not going to be going, ah, shit, we should have lost them all for a chance at a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, quarterbacks are so are so incredibly risky. They are, but there are some where it's worth it. There are. The, Joe Burrow is the perfect example, right? The, the Bengals went 2-4. and four, Their Bengals were mediocre for a long time. Then they went two and fourteen and got the right quarterback, and they were in the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship in consecutive years. You could be describing the Saints because they had Andy; they were mediocre with Andy Dalton, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. they got a proven winner in Derek Carr. <laughs> I'm just saying they they could have if Caleb Williams is the next Joe Burrow, which if you've watched him, I think he's got the similar skill set. I don't know about all the mental stuff, but um, there there's just there's such a, a higher vision for what they could be if you thought about it in a longer term. It feels like they constantly just want to get to the next season and remain 
respectable more so than they want to be a champion. And it, it, it is very obvious. And, you know, I think it's more obvious in the NBA when teams do that, where they sort of cling to being a six to 10 seed. They're not mm-hmm. really building for the long term. This feels like that exact scenario, except in the NFL. And I don't know who else to compare it to, honestly, because I don't follow the NFL close enough. Uh, I would just be on board with them having enough faith in themselves. But the problem is they've drafted terribly, so they don't have a lot of good young players on the team anymore. And the free agent additions that they made last year were not good. And so who who stood out from last year's team that made you think that this team is like on the verge of doing something special? They were they could not score at all. And all their good defensive players, with the exception of maybe Pete Werner, everybody else is old. DeMario hey. Davis, Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, like they're all old. What are we doing? Lattimore's here? not that old, but he's oldish. He's oldish. Yes, the Saints uh, were just in dire need of blowing everything up, and this is like you said, kicking the can. I don't. Derek Carr is not the answer to what this team needs to be a perennial championship contender again, but it's better than Jameis Winston. The long term. Maybe this is New Orleans-itis. Maybe Mickey Loomis and the Saints go, hey, this city might not even be here in 10 years. (laughs) Do you think there's any part of it that's like, if we are really bad again, people are going to stop buying tickets? People will stop showing up to the Superdome if we're really bad for another year and they're not going to stay with us. Do you think that they felt they had to at least remain competitive enough to keep people on board? I that's really got to be the explanation for it because that's the cynical explanation. Yeah. Right? The optimist explanation is the NFC is pretty weak. The 49ers got to the NFC championship with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. Anything can happen once you get in the playoffs. So just get there. And the cynical one is they desperately do not want to lose, you know, their fan base. And they definitely, they desperately do not want to lose money. And so they need to do something in order to maintain, you know, their their standing in the city and the league. I think it can be both. I think they can look to Derek Carr to actually keep people interested in the team. I he you know he's it's not like getting Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, but I I think he'll sell some jerseys and put some butts in seats, and people definitely want to see him with Chris Olave and. Is there literally anyone else on the team? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, I guess we don't know yet about Michael Thomas. Uh, I know about Michael Thomas. <laughs> I don't need to read anything. He's not going to play for the Saints ever again. I know. I know. He hasn't played for the last three years, yeah. even though he's made you know $100 million. Uh, and then I, I don't know what the situation is. Jarvis Landry, I think he has another year left. Uh Still Taysom Hill. It's weird that the Saints are now an old team. They're old. There's none of their players. <laughs> they're too are, old. They're just like Alvin Kamara is going to be in jail. Uh, <laughs> so wh- who like what are you building here? Your offensive line is mediocre at best. Uh, in some games they were horrific. I just don't see where you see this. Where the Saints see this core of a really good team that's missing a quarterback. I think you've got a uh, a 
barely functional team that can be lifted to the top of a scrap heap that is the NFC South because they have Desmond Ritter and Sam Darnold and Kyle Trask to face six times. But that's six of your 17 games. That's a lot of games that aren't against your division. And how the hell are you going to beat any of them? This is Dennis Allen's last. I don't think Dennis Allen makes it through the season. I don't think they're going to give him carte blanche. If this team comes out of the gate one and five, I don't think Dennis Allen will be around. And that part makes me even crazier because I agree that he, I mean, obviously I agree he sucks and that he won't be around long. And yet it's like, why wouldn't you just pull the Band-Aid, go hire an offensive-minded coach and let him kind of create the vision of what he wants. Instead, you're saddling the next coach, whoever you go find, he has to have Derek Carr for three more years on a hundred and whatever, $80 million of guaranteed money. Out of all these Saints players, being saddled to Derek Carr isn't the worst. No, I mean, it could definitely be worse. Having Michael Thomas, who plays zero snaps mm-hmm. in a season, you know, that is worse. <laughs> I I agree. (laughs) Having your pro uh, running back being in prison forever won't (laughs) really help things either. Yeah, that that stuff is worse. I I understand why folks are excited about it, and I am always going to fall on the skeptical side of things and the, the riskier side of things, because what's the difference? All I want is championships. I don't care anymore about the rest of it because it doesn't matter. I've seen too many NFC South banners and seen too many home playoff losses to care anymore about the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I just want a chance to win a championship. And if it fails miserably, so be it. Flush it and move on. And uh, and, you know, instead, you're going to go try to be, you know, the Andy Dalton Bengals, essentially, which is pretty lame. (laughs) <laughs> pretty pretty lame well not as lame as andy dalton saints <laughs> no it's not but you know, this this is a, a period at the end of the sentence we know who the quarterback is yeah there is no guesswork there is no goofball versus the old man yeah versus the guy who's not a quarterback yeah so is maybe there's a little relief in knowing well it's definitely Derek carr until he tears his acl the first week of training <laughs> Until he, till he's crying on the field <laughs> after throwing his fourth interception. Uh, yeah, so Derek Carr, welcome to New Orleans. I hope you shut me up and uh, go out and throw for 4,500 yards and light the world on fire. Uh, but as of today, I stand in opposition to the move, and I will pro- be protesting outside of 5,800 airline drive if anyone would like to, uh, <laughs> to join me at any time. Uh, with that, we will get to the local breakdown. It's it is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and tiny little crawdads. You put Paris in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> we have covered a lot of the uh, Latoya recall, and uh, you know it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Uh, today, a judge who okayed lowering bar on the recall signed the petition. This meaning that uh, she signed the petition. Sure. That she is. Uh, well, she's smart. Yeah, she did. 
Legal experts are split on if the judge's signature on the recall should have prompted recusal. Eh, I mean, wouldn't all of them have probably signed it? You would think so, but this is this is in line with voting. This is a a, a right. This That's is a true. Basic human right. If you can vote, you can sign a recall. Yeah. Every judge votes. I, I theoretically judges don't have public votes. Yeah. And I guess it was. I don't. Know. This is a special situation. Uh, th- this should be. This is a non-issue. Who cares that she signed it? It's. You want to know who cares? Noonie man. <laughs> Skooks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've actually got him on the line right now. Skooks, can you come on here? Oh, Skooks, everybody. Uh, there would be some very mad people on social media about, you know, the conflict of interest that exists here. Whatever. Get a job. The whole point of it was to say that people who don't live in New Orleans shouldn't vote in New Orleans, right? I don't see why that's remotely controversial. Nah, yeah. And it's like, I think because there are Republican, national Republicans who are doing it in ways that like people who just like didn't vote in the last election are getting purged off. That's not what's happening here. They're just purging people who don't live there anymore. People who don't live in New Orleans anymore, like the people in this room, shouldn't be voting (laughs) in elections and shouldn't be counted when putting together a percentage of registered voters. It shouldn't be remotely controversial unless you are intellectually dishonest. This is someone who has just like heard Ron DeSantis clips on The Daily Show where he's talking about people (laughs) who shouldn't be voting. And they're like, that's what I'm going to think forever? Yeah. No matter the context. Yes, there's no nuance to, to the thought whatsoever. It's Republicans did this republicans bad therefore this yeah bad. these people are a guy in a red tie that means he's a bad guy yeah. i'm a good guy i wear a blue tie it's not even the same thing it's a different thing it sounds the same and if you're simple-minded then you think it's the same thing it's not it's also a larger issue in new orleans because so many voters are murdered before <laughs> There's nobody, whenever you're like, you know, planning the funeral and stuff and checking out the will, you're not calling the voters office going, oh yeah, Steve's dead. (laughs) They just, uh, you can't explain other than saying people who don't live there and are not alive should not be counted in the number of votes. Why is that difficult to understand? First of all, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it work the other way most of the time? Like, haven't most of the people that have moved out of New Orleans gone to the North Shore and gone to Texas? And aren't they more conservative than the people who are still in the city? I, I'm just th- that would be the top of my head as to who's moved out in the last, yeah. however, you know, couple of years since they had to purging the rules. Yeah, if you don't live in the city, you shouldn't be counted as someone who gets to vote in the city. It, it, it's a very simple concept. You dumb assholes. And I don't care if you haven't voted in 100 years. You still get the right to vote in the city. I'm not saying you should be purged off the rolls just because you haven't voted. I think only if you're gone should you be out the, off the rolls. If you don't live here or you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Take them off the list. It's, Cross them off the list. It's not so much to ask. <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, you fascist. Come on. I can't even get on the list at the magic show house. <laughs> We got dead people still on the list to vote someone into office, which is much more important than seeing Doogie Howser. <laughs> was he there? 
I, I didn't see him, but that doesn't mean he that wasn't. That's that's true. Magic. He might have been tickling you with a feather. <laughs> oh, he'd like that. <laughs> uh, up next, Morris Bart and the New Orleans DA have teamed up in what people are calling an outside-the-box partnership. Uh, the district attorney's office is getting help from Morris Bart's law firm. Jason Williams, still the DA somehow, outlined <laughs> the new partnership with Morris Bart and his team Tuesday, calling it an out-of-the-box solution for an unprecedented problem. The problem being uh, Jason Williams himself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're the murder capital of the world, you have to start thinking differently, Williams said. A reporter said, aren't you the reason? And the reporter was uh, thrown in jail. <laughs> Did he really uh, say that? <laughs> he said, when you're the murder capital of the world, you have to start thinking differently. Oh, that's incredible. You have to start thinking outside of the box to combat this crime surge, and that is what we're doing. Uh, New Orleans had the highest rate in the United States for murder in 2022, but not the world. And Williams made the point that his office had been overwhelmed by cases due to the surge in violent crime. <laughs> so due to the backlog of cases from COVID-19 and cases being retired after non-unanimous juries were declared unconstitutional, it was too much for his staff to handle. So, according to the DA, Bart and a team of six lawyers, and if you're listening to this and you don't live in New Orleans, Morris Bart is the better call Saul attorney that's on billboards and bar napkins. Some child had a Morris Bart birthday party. He was the first. He was the first. He was the the first guy in the city to to really advertise and therefore is the most famous of all attorneys. And he, he used to drive around in that Hornets Cadillac mm-hmm. that was insane. I'd see him at the Chapatulas Walmart, and I'd be like, you shouldn't be here, Morris Bart. Get out of here. <laughs> According to the DA, Bart and a team of six lawyers have been volunteering as ADA's assistant district attorney supporting the office's screening division. So there are lawyers screening cases for the DA. I don't – I have no legal – knowledge no this doesn't seem like something a, a lawyer that is hasn't been elected not a personal injury lawyer especially yeah. right like i don't uh, all all of it just seems like we can't handle what's going on here so let's just throw some stuff at it doesn't jason williams also have another job yeah he's moonlight and he's <laughs> tweeting for shake and bake <laughs> like didn't, you, didn't that come out recently he's like working for a law firm because he has no money and it's it was like, the law firm that was helping him out yeah. during his yeah I, I mean it's all completely it's completely insane that the da's office is this overwhelmed and unable to do anything this does go along with an idea I've said on the podcast for years. This city needs to be bought by Amazon. Oh, this needs so to great. be Amazon presents <laughs> New Orleans, and then they can just handle all of this. They have the people. They can't go to the bathroom, but they have the people. They have drones that can patrol us for crime and security, and we won't have Kias or Hyundais anymore. We'll just ride around in the big Amazon bus. But then this is the start of that. We're hiring a third part. This is like during the Iraq war, we would hire like Blackwater and people to be uh, sure. mercenary soldiers. We're now hiring mercenary uh, district attorneys. Yes. Soon we're going to be hiring a mercenary mayor. Yeah. Where it's does be it great. end? We're, we're going to hire a mercenary Mr. Okra. <laughs> we can't 
the city can no longer organically uh, 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 birth these things, so yeah. we have to go out and pay someone money to do this shit. Yeah, we've privatized everything. Can't Let's do, do it. Well, look, I, I see the sewage and water board folks working, and, and I think that this might not be the worst idea to hand it to other people. Well, Morrisport said that the ADAs are volunteers, and they are not being paid by the city, state, or anyone else to do this work. Latoya was walking behind them with two bags with dollar signs on it <laughs> while he was saying this, like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I wanted to step up, Bart said. I wanted to do something meaningful to help New Orleans. I first saw this story when the uh, Tucker Carlson fan account, uh, Bayou Mama Bears, <laughs> posted. They, if they like broke this story and were like, ah, Morris Bart's helping out. Let's get him. And Morris Bart like commented on it and was like, "Hey, cool it, ladies." Yeah, it's like I think I'm trying. I mean, I you know, especially if they're volunteering, you know, it's like I don't see what he's gaining out of it. Just it, I think it's just another example of the city literally can't do anything. Yeah, right. Domino's is filling in the potholes. Yeah. Morris Bart's taking care of the crime. Yeah. Maybe we could get out there and hold up uh, red flags and green flags at the traffic lights. Yeah, that would be better. I the I on my drive from the Smoothie King Center to here, this includes Jefferson Parish and Orleans. I saw five different people just go through red lights. Just oh, sure. Kind of look at them and go through them, and knowing that nothing's going to happen. I was like, this is really where we're gotten to now. I mean, the lawlessness is just casual at this point. Well, some of the uh, I mean. This goes hand in hand with what we were just saying. The uh, the DA is now reviewing transcripts from Mardi Gras gun case refusals. Okay. There were uh, notoriously 15 gun charges on Mardi Gras. All of those people were released. Uh, the speculation then was that it was a slap on the wrist. Now that the transcripts are out, it is much more than just a slap on the wrist as far as frivolity goes. They are making jokes about bulges in people's pants. Wow. There was a man from Tennessee that had a... They were calling it a machine gun. It was more like a modified handgun. Mm -hmm. And they were just... He... Uh, I believe he had warrants out for his arrest or a previous felony conviction, something along those lines. And they were like, hey, if we let you go, we'll use go. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll take that deal. Sounds good. Yeah. See ya. They're like, you, it's it's Chief Wiggum whenever he lets out all the prisoners to go watch the hockey team. He's like, you guys promise to come back, right? They're going, you guys promise not to commit any more crimes, right? <laughs> you... There's nothing more to say, man. There really isn't. It is in this. It just does not happen other places. This is uh, Emily Maw, who's an assistant. She's an assistant district attorney. Yes, and she looks like someone that would get upset at this podcast. Yes, I don't think she would uh, make it the full hour on uh, Polkin Kush. She. Emily Maw looks like she would go to a Tori Amos concert. And light a candle. She looks like someone who would go to a game, see the kiss cam, and get mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Emily Maw is the person who's mad when a couple on an AT&T commercial is interracial, but they're not gay. <laughs> She's not doing a good job. She used we, to we don't know anything about <laughs> <laughs> I do know. She works for the uh, Innocence Project. Okay. She uh, has a degree in basket weaving from <laughs> Cherokee 
University. Look, you can sometimes you can judge your book by the cover. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I mean, based on the fact that just you know, uh, hardened uh, you know gun carriers running free. Uh, that's just that's so crazy. Williams said of these 15 cases, some of them are going to be accepted and prosecuted across the street. Two of those cases are viable for federal adoption because there is, in fact, a federal nexus, especially in regards to the case involving the gentleman from Tennessee with a modified machine gun. That would fall under the ballowick of federal authorities, and mm. we plan on making such a referral. Other cases have been accepted as well, despite previously calling Ma's actions improper in a statement Williams did not indicate if the prosecutor has or will be disciplined in any way. Uh, she is being disciplined. They uh, won't let her go see the Indigo Girls. <laughs> Wait, how many listeners have we lost in the Emily Moss segment? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. These, I mean, can you imagine if like 15 people at... I don't know, uh, Cinco de Mayo parade got caught with machine guns. It would be treated like a, like a, like a January six situation. Yeah. If, if you're, if they in Chicago during the St. Patrick's parade, arrest 15 people with, you know, major felony it would be gun charges. National, it would be yeah. considered a national terrorist event. Yeah. And instead it's just like, well, of course they're going to walk away, but there is, a light at the end of the tunnel. What's that? This is this is a combination of two segments. This is Noel Breakdown and the worst. Okay. Woman accused of selling meth from an ice cream truck in Slidell. <laughs> Thank you, Seth, for emailing this to the show. It could be the best. The owner of an ice cream truck was arrested and accused of selling meth from the truck, according to Slidell police. The truck is a short school bus. We know what those are used for. That is turquoise blue, says ice cream, and has Tweety Bird and other characters on the side of it. Like an ice cream truck? Yes. Okay. It is an ice cream truck. Got it. It says ice cream on it. Okay. There are ice creams on the side of it. <laughs> Police say narcotics detectives saw a blue ice cream truck. With an expired license plate and no brake lights, just after 11.30 a.m. on February 27th. Detectives say previous information led them to believe the owner was using and selling meth from the truck, which has been out of commission for several months. Meth has a much better markup rate than bomb pops. Yeah, it probably... Uh, you remember you get like the Ninja Turtle uh, uh, popsicle mm -hmm. and then you open it up and it wouldn't look like anything. Yeah. Well, with meth, it looks like a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> I think the tip off that police got was that a bunch of meth heads kept going up to an inoperable ice cream truck. If I had to guess. <laughs> Seems like a dead giveaway. I'm not going to lie. It says police pulled over the truck did they pull it over or did they just walk up to it mm -hmm. and found melted ice cream in the freezer worse meth and other drug paraphernalia at least the guy had ice cream that's a nice cover i think it may have been a lady from this name well either way sounds like the they you know they tried hard enough to to it's like when people used to ship weed in college to each other from fedex uh they would put clothes on the top of it i'm like i mean 
I don't think anyone's buying. <laughs> no. No one's going to not look through the one layer of underwear that you put on the top of a giant box of weed. Um, but, you know, I guess the effort is worth something. You might find the dumbest cop in the world uh, who might not, you know, look past the ice cream to see all the math. <laughs> it is humanly possible. Well, there was a very good distraction on board. There were two adorable small puppies inside the truck. There's a photo of one. It looks like it's well taken care yeah. of. Healthy coat, cute little thing. Uh, it has been turned over to the Slidell Animal Control. Hopefully this this lady can get back her ice cream truck, yeah. get back her puppies, and get back out there and start selling some meth. <laughs> Matthew the Pooch, you know you are Polk and Kush's biggest fan. Thanks you to every person who listens to this podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please tell your friends, like, rate, subscribe. We will see you next week right here, Polk and Kush. See you.